Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing pretty good this week. How about you? <laughs> this week as a whole has been okay. Mandy already knows this, and I think our Facebook group knows this. My little guy busted his chin open on Saturday walking around the pool. Walking around? I like had a book, was ready to read, and like really thought I was just living this dream life where I could just read in the afternoon. And he just wiped out, bust his chin open. So now we have a busted chin open and a busted, I'm not saying this right, head open within a year. So I'm just waiting for the police to show up on my doorsteps. <laughs> He's just very accident prone and apparently can't catch himself if he falls. So it's been a great week. It's been fine. It's really been fine. It made for an interesting Father's Day, but otherwise, good. Is yeah. yours less exciting? Yeah. Well, it's less exciting than that, but I know. I feel so bad for him. Poor little guy. He's so tough. He just doesn't, as long as he doesn't see blood on his hands, sorry, that's graphic, but it is to my daughter, but he's fine. It can be anywhere else on his body, but if he sees it on his hand, he is going to lose his ever-loving mind. So he was excited he got Spider-Man stitches in his chin. Spider-Man webs is what we told him. Aww. Somehow that helped. You know, it's good when they're little and they'll believe all the lies you tell them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm very excited to get to this story. This is one of the most interesting stories I've heard in a very long time. And we were going to do this one a while ago, right? And yes. There was a computer crash, and we weren't yes. able to, and now we've revived it and, it, and it's here. I'm very excited for this. I am too. So this week's story is a very, very twisted tale of the links one woman was willing to go to get revenge on another, and it really has a little bit of everything. It has love, lies, Starbucks, and Craigslist, and those things don't seem like they would all go together, but this week they do. Michelle Hadley is best described as being an innocent and genuine person. She was raised in a Christian household with loving parents and a sister that she had a very close relationship with. She respected the values and morals that were instilled in her, and as an adult, she even described herself as a goody two-shoes that always saw the positive in everything. She was a very hard worker and dedicated to her dreams and goals, and she attended a liberal arts school in Pennsylvania on a scholarship. After she graduated, Michelle held a few jobs before she eventually landed a marketing gig at Disney in Anaheim, California. And Melissa, I am very excited to hear what you have this week for Google This City for Anaheim. Well, I'm very excited to tell you. Anaheim is located in the far southwest side of the state of California. It's the oldest city in Orange County, California, and has a population of 352,000 as of the 2017 census. And reading that it's in Orange County again reminds me that I somehow forgot to put facts about the Real Housewives, and I'm very upset with myself. Anaheim's name is actually composed of two words. Anna, which is named after the nearby Santa Ana River, and Heim, which is a German place name that originally means home. So Anna, home. I guess the river is home. I'm really just fudging that, <laughs> but that's what I'm taking that to mean. <laughs> I'm definitely a linguistics major. So uh, I'm not... Uh, from ground, <laughs> when I think of Anaheim, I think of Disneyland. Like that's the big thing. Right. I think of movies and stuff like that, but mostly Disneyland. So from groundbreaking to opening, Disneyland was actually built in only 365 days. However, Disneyland's opening day was a complete disaster. Among some of the problems was the rides and attractions broke down. 
day one. Fantasyland was temporarily closed due to a gas leak. And my personal favorite, Main Street had freshly poured asphalt. And <laughs> because of that, from all the heat, it actually softened the asphalt and visitors' shoes began to get stuck in the street oh, no. <laughs> on their way to the happiest place on earth. I imagine if you went the first day and somebody was like, no, it's really great. Like years later, you'd be like, no, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing this again. <laughs> and lastly, Gwen Stefani is the lead singer, songwriter, girl extraordinaire. You know, she sang with No Doubt and she has her own career now on her own. She's on The Voice. She's somehow dating Blake Shelton. I don't mean that as a dig towards either of them. It's just a very interesting coupling. And she's actually from Anaheim. And this is where we're going to close this week's Google This City, Mandy. I mean, if I was a rich girl, na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Maybe I'd have a little bit more time, but I'm just a girl. And I really can't wait to talk about this week's case because this is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> I got three references in all in one sentence. I'm so excited. <laughs> that was awesome. Please go. <laughs> now that Michelle had achieved some of her personal goals and had a nice career for herself that she was really loving, she was ready to settle down and find that Mr. Right to share all of that with. Michelle had grown up, I think like a lot of little girls did, dreaming of the day that she would meet her Prince Charming and would live happily ever after. She had this fairy tale view of what a marriage was supposed to be, and she was not going to settle for anything less. In August of 2013, Michelle created a profile on a dating app and met a man named Ian Diaz, a U.S. Marshal who was also looking for love. They met in person at Michelle's favorite place, which was Starbucks, and they had an instant connection. Ian thought that Michelle was the most beautiful woman that he had ever laid eyes on, and he was sure to let her know. Michelle was so flattered that she quickly just fell head over heels in love with him. And it was actually such a fast moving relationship that they were telling each other they loved each other by the second date, which I mean, I guess if you know, you know, if you know, you know, or if you were ever in my shoes, I went on a blind date, not a blind date it was my mom's friend's son. I went on like four dates in my entire life. And immediately he was like, I really think you're beautiful. I think you're this. I think you're that. P.S. No one in my life has ever done this to me. So it's not like I think I'm some babe or anything, which is immediately <laughs> why I was suspicious. <laughs> I was like, mm, no, you don't know me. And so everything he would say, I was so rude. I was just like, no, mm -mm, you've just met me. This is not this is not real. But I guess they knew like I would be very not on board with that. But, you know, hey, love, whatever. Those Maybe crazy things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So she believed that he was this Prince Charming that she had been waiting for for her entire life, and she committed herself to this relationship. And then Ian took things to the next level in December of 2014, about 16 months after the couple first met each other, and he took Michelle on this romantic trip to New York for her 28th birthday, and it was on that trip that he proposed to her. And she was just over the moon, super excited, and she said yes. Several months later, the couple decided to purchase a home together to start their lives in, and Michelle put down a $14,000 down payment on a $468,000 condo in Anaheim. But this fairy tale life that she thought she was building was quickly crumbling, and just two months after moving in with Ian, Michelle was ready to turn around and move right back out. Oh, wow. Two months? You've already put yeah. all this money in? Woo. Yeah. According to Michelle, Ian was not the same nice and charming man behind closed doors. 
He was allegedly emotionally abusive, very controlling, and all around not a very nice guy. Michelle realized that this was really not a healthy relationship for her and asked her parents if she could come back home, really just leaving Ian in this condo that they're both responsible for, and Michelle had put this original down payment down for From there, things got really ugly between these two. They each hired a lawyer to represent them in dealing with the issue of what to do about the condo. So they've broken up, but now they're stuck with this mortgage in between the two of them. In the meantime, Michelle began sending these very emotionally charged and really bizarre emails to Ian. Here's a few quotes from them. Quote, please explain to your real estate attorney that God's law is above all laws, including the law of man. Next quote, Lilith, which is referred to in the Bible, you may try to hide behind the law of man, but it is a weak shield that will bend and crack against the sword of God. Two more quotes. You know exactly how God, the word of God, and the spirit of God are involved in the condo. We both do. That one I would like further follow up on. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And the last one, quote, your end will come and you will relinquish the keys to the earth. Earth is mine and the title deed to earth belongs to me. There will be no resolution outside of court unless you are willing to bow before the Lord your God, unquote. So basically, a lot of these are very... They're very emotionally charged, but also she's pulling things from the Bible and kind of, I think personally, twisting things to how how she wants them to come across or whatever. So after receiving several of these messages that are of this nature, Ian decides to file a restraining order against Michelle in which he alleged that she was attempting to blackmail him and stated that Michelle would frequently drink an entire bottle of wine and then berate him to the point that he felt like she was a threat. Based on these emails, they do sound concerning they don't sound like they're coming from someone that's totally stable you know really yeah so i can see where there would be some concern there and so at some point the lawyers come up with this settlement agreement that stated that ian could stay in the condo but he had six months to get his own mortgage and if he didn't do that the condo was to be put up for sale and any profits would be split between the two of them i feel like that's a very fair plan yeah six months to get her name off of it it can be yours otherwise you guys have to sell it split the money Makes sense to me. That's not even saying like she gets her $14,000 back. It's basically like you kind of got screwed on that. So Michelle was really happy with this arrangement. She had no desire to live in the condo and did not want to fight Ian for ownership. So she really began to start her life over. She went back to school in pursuit of an MBA and she even started dating again. Ian was also really doing just fine. He'd gotten back on the same dating app he met Michelle on shortly after they broke up and he met a new love interest named Angela in January of 2016. We've all heard about those couples that have very quick courtships and tie the knot at whiplash speeds, but this is probably one of the fastest that Mandy or I have really ever heard of. Ian and Angela were actually married at the end of February 2016, just a month after they first met, which kind of makes sense with Ian's speed. Yeah, I guess, but getting married a month in is, oh boy. It's, you know, it does happen. I'm sure it does. And I know that it works for some people. I've heard success stories about this, but I don't know. I just, I would just be scared. I feel like there's just, how do you know somebody after a month? I know. But then you know what? Then there's these stories where people were like, I was married to somebody and they had another family for 20 years and I had no idea. So do you ever really know somebody? Think about that before you go to sleep tonight next to the person you're sleeping (laughs) next to. Do you you really know you? I've done that to my husband before. I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) what am I doing? No, just like when I get very paranoid inside my head and, you know, I'm in my own little space. That's always fun. So (laughs) 
<laughs> There's a peek inside my brain. So Angela moved into this condo with Ian, and by mid-May, she announced that she was pregnant with Ian's twins. Super exciting time for the couple, and it should have been really exciting for them, but it was around this time in late May that something horrible actually happened to Angela. So Angela begins receiving these really, really alarming and threatening emails from who she believed was Michelle Hadley. It was assumed that Michelle had simply gone off the rails as a result of losing Ian, but the emails became more and more distressing. When the emails first started, they were mostly about Ian and the fact that he was abusive and prone to infidelity. There was things that would say like, you know, Ian doesn't care about you. I'm the only one that he cares about. And they really just seemed the kind of emails that were designed purely just to break up Ian and Angela. But then the emails became a little more sinister. One came in that had the subject line that said, die. And the content of the message was, I hope you are scared of death tomorrow. Don't sleep. Be watchful of the daughters of God. We will steal your child and we will watch as it dies. So allegedly this email has come from Michelle. Whoa. It it certainly sounds like her based on what messages we know she has already sent before to Ian. So right. they're thinking this is obviously Michelle. She's can't get over this breakup. She can't get over that we're together and that, you know, we're starting a family and that I guess the allegation was that she was jealous and was doing this to try and hurt this new couple. So another one of the emails that came in read, be warned, you've lost, you will suffer, I will pray for you. But the emails weren't really the only reason that Angela was concerned for her own safety. And it was because actually in late May, something even crazier happened. There were numerous strange men showing up at the condo where Angela and Ian lived, and their intention was to act out a rape fantasy scenario, which the men said that they had seen posted on Craigslist, and they had been given this address to go and meet with a woman, yes, who was willing to act out a rape fantasy scenario. So these men were showing up to Angela's apartment thinking that they were going to have some kind of violent encounter with her, and a couple of the men actually tried to assault Angela. The police responded to 911 calls in which Angela had alleged that these strangers were at her house and they were showing up to try and sexually assault her. And when the police arrived, they learned that these men believed they were showing up for what was a consensual sexual thing. In most of the cases, Angela and Ian were able to get the men to leave without any incident, but in one of the men actually did try to force his way into the apartment and force himself onto Angela, leaving her with a ripped shirt and red marks on her neck. The police naturally wanted to investigate this as a crime. It's a very serious crime. If, you know, she isn't soliciting these men to come to her own home, then who's doing it? And this is obviously a very, somebody can get hurt. You know, this is not This is more than just a prank. So the police want to investigate this as the crime that it is. So Angela and Ian, of course, had an idea in mind about who they should take a look at first. And we're going to get into it after a quick break for a word from this week's sponsors. Mandy and I spent last Thursday through Saturday living out of our suitcases which actually sounds like a truly horrific experience until you realize that we were living out of our Away luggage. Away has such amazing features that help keep everything organized, which is great when you're carrying all your clothes and your shoes and your toiletries, plus photo cutouts, magnet stickers, and a table runner. 
My bigger carry-on from away was so roomy, but thanks to four 360-degree spinner wheels, it was actually ridiculously easy for me to roll around from Orlando to New Orleans and back again. And while we were stuck at the airport for several hours, we never had to worry about fighting other passengers for an open outlet because Away offers an optional ejectable battery to keep your electronics charged, which we gleefully used. Away suitcases are designed to last a lifetime, but you can rest easy knowing that Away will fix or replace your suitcase as soon as possible if anything ever breaks, which means you never have to worry about your luggage. Plus, Away offers a 100-day trial that allows you to try any Away product on the road. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash moms and use promo code moms during checkout. Again, for $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash moms and use promo code moms during checkout. We've been talking to you guys for a while now about Third Love, and that's because we love our Third Love bras. As of February 20th of this year, Third Love now offers 78 different sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. Third Love has changed the way we buy bras. You can skip the trip to the store and find your perfect fit by taking the Fit Finder quiz on the website, where you can order your bra to be shipped straight to your home and where you can try on your new bra in your bathroom where you eat all your secret Oreo stash. One of the greatest things about Third Love is their 100% fit guarantee. After taking their Fit Finder quiz and ordering your new bra, when the bra arrives at your house, you can try it on and not only wear it for the day, you can wear it, wash it, and put it to the test for 60 days. If you don't love it within the 60 days, you can return it, and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love is hands down the most comfortable bra I've ever owned, so much so that I bought a second, and we know it will be for you as well. With straps that won't slip and my personal favorite, tagless labels, so there's no itching. This is the bra all other bras wish they could be. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash murder to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash murder for 15% off today. And now back to the episode. So after Angela suffers this attack by this man who shows up at her house in response to a rape fantasy Craigslist ad, Angela tells the police that she really thinks she knows who is behind this evil plot and that person is Ian's ex-fiance named Michelle Hadley. On June 1st, 2016, Ian and Angela went to the Anaheim Police Department to report that Michelle had been harassing them and sending these threatening emails to Angela. Keep in mind, Ian already has a restraining order a while ago against Michelle. Police reviewed these emails in question and provided Angela with a temporary restraining order against Michelle, who was ordered to cease all communication with Angela. When police showed up to serve Michelle with this restraining order, she was in total disbelief. Michelle told police that, yes, she had sent multiple emails to Ian when they first broke up, but it had been months since she had contacted him, and she had never even tried to contact Angela. She said she didn't know anything at all about Angela and certainly had never sent her death threats via email. But the police really didn't believe Michelle's story. They compared the emails to the previous ones that Michelle had sent to Ian and concluded that they were written by the same person due to the very specific type of religious imagery and language included in the emails. So the restraining order was issued. For five days, things were really quiet at Angela and Ian's home. But then on June 6, 2016, another email came through. It said, quote, you will pay for this. I hope to God you are ready for the pain I'll show you. And the other quote was, burn in the fiery pits of hell tonight as by God's law, you will be hurt. The contents of all these emails were really quite disturbing. Some emails contain photos of aborted fetuses and decapitated bodies. Can you imagine receiving 
No. Oh, my gosh. I would be terrified. Yeah. And I don't know. This is just it's so much. So three weeks after the restraining order was issued, police show back up at Michelle's parents' home with a warrant to look through her devices. Of course, Michelle handed them over willingly because she alleged that she didn't have anything incriminating on her devices because, according to her, she wasn't sending Angela any email, so why would she be concerned You know that they're going to find something on her email? But after a quick look through Michelle's phone, police placed her under arrest for violating her restraining order. Michelle and her parents were stunned that she had been arrested, but the police believed that they had a really strong case against her, considering the emails as well as believing that she was behind those rape solicitation ads. Michelle was taken to a holding cell for the night, but her parents posted her bond and she went home with them the following morning. On that night that Michelle was in jail, there were no new emails that came through to Angela, but as soon as Michelle was out of jail, the emails continued, and two weeks later, a new rape fantasy ad was posted with the address to Angela and Ian's condo. Keep in mind, this is the same condo that we mentioned in the beginning that Michelle and Ian were still in the middle of kind of sorting out like what was going to happen with this condo. And we mentioned that Ian was given six months to take over the mortgage himself or to sell the condo and split the profits with Michelle. So this six-month time period was right around the corner now. And as this is really as all of this drama and this investigation into all this harassment is going on. So on July 12th, in the middle of being investigated on these very serious charges, Michelle filed for a breach of contract and sued Ian over the condo. The very next day, another man appeared at Angela's condo to have this violent sex with her. And at this point, the police believed that Michelle was completely unhinged and that if they did not get her off the streets, she was capable of, you know, causing severe harm to Angela directly or indirectly. So Michelle was arrested again and charged with some pretty serious crimes that would carry very, very serious punishments. She was charged with stalking, making criminal threats, and six counts of attempted rape, as well as violation of a protection order. So the media really picked up the story like crazy, and they had these just super eye-catching headlines about her. Did not make her out to be a very sane person, I would say. And of course... You'd have to see Michelle Hadley to really get a feel, like to understand, like she is not an intimidating looking person. So now we have this sweet, innocent Michelle who, you know, has described herself as a goody two shoes, wouldn't never hurt a fly. And she's sitting here in prison and or in jail. And she was not having a very good time. Was she, Melissa? No, she had a lot to say about this, which let me tell you, jail would be horrific. I watched 60 Days In. We've watched Jailbirds. It sounds horrific. That's what I'm going to say about that. So unfortunately for Michelle, she was actually stuck there in jail too, um, since her bail was set so high. It would actually take her parents $100,000 to get her bonded out. And they said that they did have the money, but if they used it to get her out of jail, then they wouldn't be able to hire an attorney for her defense. So Michelle told her parents to just use the money and get her the best lawyer they could find, meaning that she would have to stay behind bars while the people on the outside worked to get her freed and to clear her name. That has to be the hardest decision to make because you're gut is like, get me the heck out of here. But then if you're thinking long term, you need a good attorney. I mean, how many people have ended up being wrongfully convicted or whatever, and maybe did not have access to a really great attorney. So yeah, that would be 
so difficult and difficult for her family to know like we can do one or the other and all you want to do is bring her home, but they're not able to. So Michelle's parents immediately took it upon themselves to start digging into this case against Michelle. And they fully believed in her innocence and they knew that their daughter would not ever send such vile and hateful messages to this woman, Angela, but they actually had to find a way to prove that she did not. One idea that Michael's father came up with was to start looking at the IP addresses where the emails originated, and hopefully they would be able to tie that IP address to a physical location. The idea being that if they could prove that the emails were sent from a location where Michelle couldn't have possibly been at that time, then that would provide her with an alibi. So an IP address is also known as the Internet Protocol Address, and it's a numerical label assigned to every device that's connected to a computer network. So it's supposed to be a unique number that only belongs to a specific computer. So in theory, you should be able to say, okay, this is where this email was sent from. It should be a pretty easy, relatively easy thing. By the way, if I found out my dad had to find go through IP addresses to help get me out of jail, I would know I was just going to die there. I was just going to die there. It was over for me. I would have absolutely no chance in the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> so after searching for the best possible attorney they could find, Michelle's parents hired a man named Michael Juicy, and he felt an immediate connection to the Hadley family and passionately believed that Michelle was innocent and that somebody was trying to actually frame her for this crime. In July and August of 2016, numerous search warrants were issued to investigate the IP addresses linked to each email and each Craigslist solicitation ad. However, investigators ran into a problem in this case. The IP addresses all came back to third-party proxy servers, VPNs, which are virtual private networks, or just that there was no records for these IP addresses that they were finding. This revelation only solidified Michael Juicy's assertion that someone other than Michelle had sent the messages and that she was being set up because his idea is, okay, if if you, the police, are alleging that Michelle sent these, then why aren't these IP addresses coming back to Michelle's devices? So this was kind of the whole thing. Not only are they, you know, the police are trying to definitively prove that Michelle was the one who was sending them, and they were not able to do that in this case. They couldn't tell who did it. So they couldn't prove any of this necessarily. They could prove that some of the emails that were sent to Angela were sent at times of day that Michelle was at her university class. So all of this work is being done, of course, while Michelle is still locked up. And she's behind bars trying to maintain her composure. But she was starting to crack under the stress of the whole ordeal. As you just said, prison sounds terrible. But she was really not coping well. And so she was also talking about how loud it is in jail and how the women at night, she said they scream like banshees and it's just so loud. And and she said like she would wake up every day and open her eyes and just hope that it was a dream or a nightmare and that she could just close her eyes and try again. And, And but she just kept waking up in jail. So it was just terrible for her. She stuck out like a sore thumb in jail. And so she was like even scared that she was going to get beat up and stuff because she she's not like a hardened criminal, you know, this woman. And so I guess she did make a friend. Somebody took, you know, took her under their wing and just said, like, you have to toughen up or like pretend to be tougher. 
Otherwise, you are going to get beat up kind of thing. Well, I would imagine if you've never been to jail, you automatically stand out like a sore thumb. Like you don't know how anything works. You you just have no clue. I mean, unless you've watched a lot of 60 Days and and then you could make it about five minutes. But really, like you just have no idea. There's there's like a whole system in jail and there's people that are in charge of other people and there's people you don't hang out with. If you go to jail and you don't know any of that, you're going to be kind of reserved into yourself and people are going to prey on that, really. Again, all lessons from 60 Days in. I have no real experience in any of this, but I'd like to think I could make it about five minutes if I had a few like honey buns to give out. Yeah. <laughs> well, Michelle lasted 88 days and then she was released. Her attorney was actually able to work out a deal where she could be released from prison, but that they would still continue this investigation. So they let her out of jail and she was made to wear an ankle monitor so that they would be able to keep tabs on her whereabouts and she wouldn't be able to skip town, all that. And so she didn't like that either. She had quite a bit of just anguish when she thought of having to wear this ankle bracelet and she was so embarrassed about it. And so she would actually use ace bandages and wrap them around her ankle so people couldn't see her ankle bracelet. I probably would do that yeah. 100%. Well, at first when I heard this, I was like, that's ridiculous. But then I thought, well, nobody knows you're like what you're out on. They know you've done something or allegedly have done something. So unless you're going to wear a shirt that says like, I did not send emails asking somebody to go to my ex-fiance's <laughs> girlfriend's house and attack <laughs> her, this is just an, all a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> then I can see how you'd be like, well, let's cover this up. I don't really want people to see that. I, I do understand it. But the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, get over yourself. But no, it does make sense. Yeah. So after weeks of looking into the origin of these emails, the police finally got a huge break. One of the warrants that was executed on an internet provider gave them a shocking clue. Some of the horrifying emails that were sent to Angela came from inside the condo that she and Ian lived in. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. The call is coming from inside the house. Yes. And this is really where the story takes a bizarre turn. And we're going to get into the rest of it after one last break for a word from this week's sponsors. strive for tranquility? Is that the dumbest thing you've ever heard someone say? Because of course you do. Then you should check out Sagely Naturals. Sagely Naturals is a line of CBD infused lotions, sprays, supplements, and essential oils that can really help. Whether you are looking for a little support in me- edit, in managing stress, have some discomfort, or even on days when you work out too hard. Sagely Naturals was nice enough to send us some products to try, and we both immediately picked products from the Tranquility line, because while we love our kids, they are the opposite of Tranquil. Hi, it's me again, your friendly neighborhood rule follower. If the idea of CBD oil is new to you, that's okay. It was new for me too. I was surprised to hear that CBD is actually found in broccoli and kale, but it's most abundant in hemp. That's why Sagely Naturals extracts CBD from hemp plants that are grown right here in the U.S. They are also completely THC-free, so you get all the benefits without any of the psychoactive effects. I really love using the Tranquility Roll-On. As I said before, my son busts his chin open over the weekend, and I text Mandy immediately after the stitches that all I wanted to do was roll the Tranquility Roll all over my temples. It's really that great. I also love how easy it is to use, and an additional perk is that it smells nice. It also gives me the feeling of tranquility to start my day, even before the caffeine is kicked in. Sagely Naturals helped me get back to doing the things I love, and I think it can help you too. 
Go to sagelynaturals.com slash moms for 20% off your first order. That's S-A-G-E-L-Y naturals.com slash moms for 20% off your first order today. Sagelynaturals.com slash moms. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. On our way to our hotel in New Orleans, Melissa and I quickly rattled off a list of things we needed to have for the weekend that we couldn't pack. We discussed taking an Uber to pick things up, but that sounded really expensive for just a few odds and ends. And that's when it clicked. We could use Instacart. We were able to order snacks and the hair products Melissa lost to the TSA line to be delivered to our hotel, saving us time and money. But really, how does one forget aerosol cans are basically used to make bombs? I should not be allowed to travel at all, apparently. But if you're not familiar with Instacart, here's what I did. I downloaded the Instacart app, picked out my grocery store from a list available to me in my area, in this case, New Orleans, and put in a quick order to be shopped for and delivered to my house or hotel by a friendly Instacart shopper. The Instacart shopper gathers your groceries with care by selecting excellent produce, and if there are any issues with the order, they will contact you when necessary. Instacart will deliver your groceries in as little as one hour or at a time you select. They bag them so your hot items stay hot and your cold items stay cold. Try Instacart and get $10 off your first order. To get this limited time offer, go to instacart.com or download the mobile app and enter our promo code MOMS10 at checkout. That's $10 off your first order today at instacart.com or through the mobile app. And don't forget to enter our code MOMS10. Instacart.com or through the mobile app with our code MOMS10. And now back to the episode. So now this question becomes, is it Angela or Ian that's trying to frame Michelle? Both would really have the motive to pull off such a sinister plot, but which one of them is really responsible? Ian had obviously been feuding with Michelle over this condo for months and months and had made it clear that he had no intention and no desire to move out, even though he was unable to secure a mortgage in his own name. Michelle's father really believed that Ian was responsible for these fake emails. He said that Ian knew Michelle's email address and other information that would be necessary to frame her and that the fall of the couple's relationship was really the catalyst that drove this entire thing. It was clear that Michelle and Ian had a tumultuous relationship that only got worse after their breakup, but police believe that it was Angela that was actually behind this whole scheme. They thought she was really just a jealous new wife that was sick of dealing with Michelle over the condo and that she devised this intricate plan to completely ruin Michelle in spite. Once Angela became a suspect, so did every statement and story she had given to the police throughout this entire ordeal. They decided to take another look at the police report in which Angela had claimed that a man had attacked her in her garage, leaving bruises on her neck and ripping her shirt. And after considering all of this evidence, they believed that she had been the one to cause these marks on herself intentionally, and then she filed a completely false police report about an attempted rape. Oh my gosh. I know. Throughout their investigation into Angela and her past, they learned that she had quite a history of lying, and these weren't just little white lies either. Angela had in the past claimed to have cervical cancer, which reminds me of Brooke Ayers from Real Housewives of Orange County. So I did mention Orange County in this episode, his faking cancer. And she also pretended to be a lawyer, forged doctor's notes, and as it would turn out, she had faked her twin pregnancy with Ian's babies. Monster. I cannot even. I don't understand that. Like, they're going to figure out. Is it for sympathy? Is that the whole thing? Whenever she obviously loses the babies, right? That's what Well, I think that's what the whole deal is. Yeah, with people that, like, they're, like, pathological about their lies and stuff. But, you know, I don't – it's – they, like, feed on the attention they get from certain things. So, like, saying – 
I don't know, like she's not just pregnant, she's pregnant with twins and these are Ian's twins. And like, it's just all the attention that like that brings you. But then you get even more attention later on, like you said, whenever you have to then come up with like why you're not actually pregnant. And so usually it's like a horrific story about losing the babies. Like you said, the whole, it's very, I mean, I've heard of other cases of of women doing this sort of thing, but these are like huge, huge lies to go on in your life with. And like that hurt other people right. like, a lot. Like that, you know, that care about you, especially. I mean, your family and your this this man who's your husband. Like, I just I don't I don't understand it. But yeah, yeah, she was she was very familiar with with the, these types of serious lies and serious things. Well, I want to say the prosecutor called her diabolical. I think that was the word they went with. That it's just a diabolical yeah. thing. So in a bizarre twist, the victim in the investigation became the number one suspect. Police believe that Angela had staged all these things in what they are calling a diabolical plot to frame Michelle and what could have sent an innocent woman to prison for life. Oh my gosh, thank God her dad knew how to use a computer. She could have been in real trouble Yeah. Here. I mean, I would like to hope that the police would have investigated the, the IP addresses at some point. I don't know how long it would have taken, but that's the thing. It could have taken a really long time because they thought they had their person. Through the course of the investigation, the police learned that Angela had sent the fraudulent emails not just from inside the condo, but from her own cell phone. And they also found evidence that she had sent emails from her father's home in Arizona. All in all, it was determined that Angela used eight different accounts to send emails to herself and to solicit men for the rape fantasy. Once police were able to work with Michelle to verify her side of the story, the charges against her were eventually dropped. Angela was arrested in Arizona and charged with a slew of felonies, including kidnapping, false imprisonment, and perjury. If convicted of these charges, she could have spent 12 years in state prison and up to 11 years in a county jail. After a two-month-long preliminary hearing, Angela pleaded guilty to 10 felonies and was sentenced to just five years in prison. She had gotten some kind of a deal, which always just blows my mind in these cases, that if Michelle had been guilty of these crimes, she could have gone to jail for life. But yet Angela got five years for like doing this and trying to frame a a woman. I just can't believe she only got five years. It just seems like such a light sentence for all of this. It feels similar, which this sounds kind of silly, like to setting somebody up for like a hitman sort of thing where it's where you talk to somebody who's not an actual officer, right? So you're not actually hiring somebody to kill somebody you think you are. Same kind of like thought crime. I don't know how to explain that very well. I'm yeah. It sounds very stupid when it comes out of my mouth. But like, how do you get so few things? Like it could have the potential to completely ruin her life forever and she would have been in jail forever. How do you get five years? That doesn't make sense to me. No, I agree. Ian had his marriage to Angela annulled and insists that he had nothing to do with Angela's scheme and did not participate in it at all or have knowledge of her doing it either. And Michelle, of course, says that this whole ordeal has just absolutely scarred her for life. She spent her 88 days in prison and she is never going to forget. This is one of those stories when you hear it, though, like you just you can't believe you just can't believe somebody would do it. Like, I believe that he really probably had no no idea about this because she had all these other huge lies. You know, if it was only this, I think think like maybe he did was involved. I don't think he was at all because she clearly was just lie after lie after lie. Had a lifetime of this. Like she knew what she was doing. She didn't need his help. She wanted Michelle out of the way. She wanted that condo. There's a great way to end all this. Michelle's in jail. Now the condo's in his name. Easy peasy. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. 
No, she was definitely a terrible, terrible person. Yeah, I think five years. Five years is much too light of a sentence for her. Yeah. So, okay. We, of course, are going to do our last thing before we go. Oh, but we want to let you guys know we're actually taking a week off in July. And so that's coming up kind of soon. Hard to believe that it's already getting close enough to talk about July. But we are going to take off July 9th. But that's it. That's the only day off for the summer. Yeah. Right? Last summer we did every other week. And this summer we said, no, we'll just do one week. And so I hope you're happy for the amount of time we can't spend with our children because of doing this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we're just taking one week off this year. And then I think we have a week off in September and then holidays. So we're not taking a whole lot of time off. But if you miss us, you can find us on patreon.com slash moms and murder podcast. We are going to record four, five, and six from Jailbirds, our review, our recap, really, of four, five episodes, recap. four, five, and six. Yeah. On Jailbird. So that'll be out around the time this episode comes out. It'll be out before July 1st. I know that. We did one, two, and three last month. So if you've watched Jailbirds and you want to hear about it, that's where you can find it. So before we get out for the week, we're going to do our last thing before we go, like always. And I'm, I am loving these questions Me this too. week. So these were submitted by some new names that I have not seen in our Facebook group. So I'm really excited to have new people joining and submitting questions. That's so awesome. So this one is from Mickey N. And they want to know if we were forced to watch only one kid's movie over and over, which would we choose and which one would be torture? All right. What about you, Mandy? So I really love Moana and I really like Tangled. You know the movie Tangled? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love those two. So Tangled, I really have always loved. And I always said, like, I could watch that one and probably, like, be okay with it. And then when Moana came out, I felt the same way about that. And trust me, my kids put me to the test when Moana came out. We watched it every day, multiple times a day for I don't even know how long. Oh, yeah. A very, very long time. And I would still sit down and watch Moana. I love it. I love it, love it so much. One that would be torture for me, I don't know. I... I don't like any, I don't know, really. It's very hard for me to say which one would be torture. Well, Moana was almost in my torture list. I'm trying not to think too hard right now. I'm trying to think of a movie that I hate. I don't know. After a while, like I got tired. Okay, at Christmas time, you remember that movie Christmas Chronicles that came out? My son still tries to watch that. It still is on Netflix. And I don't know why because it's like right. halfway through the year now. But it's still on there. And so – but he still watches that. My son – my little guy likes to watch Christmas movies like all throughout the year. And that is one thing I, I can't stand for. Like I can't watch a Christmas movie in June. No. Mm-mm. So that's like torture. But other than that, really, I don't know. I just ignore the TV most of the time anyway. I'll put in headphones or something. That sounds about right for you. So the ones <laughs> I love that I could watch over and over again, Toy Story 2, my daughter had gotten sick like when she was little, not like crazy sick, but like for a weekend and we rented Toy Story 2 and it just played over and over and over and over again. So you'd think I'd be sick of it, but I really grew to love it. <laughs> I just enjoyed it. Aww. Also Lego Batman. The Lego movies are so good, but the Lego Batman, I could watch every day for the rest of my life. It is so hilarious. It has Will Arnett in it for goodness sakes. So I love that movie. Have you seen Lego Batman? Like actually watched no. it? No. Well- No, I haven't. It's so funny. There's just so many adult jokes that kids will not catch. Not like adult themes, but um, 
kind of just really, really funny jokes that if you blink, you miss it kind of thing. And I love stuff like that. So yeah, I love that. My son, I tried to bring him to the theater theater to see it. It was like the first movie I ever brought him to. And we had to leave him one minute because it started off like really dark and loud. It was like his first experience in the theater. So that was a waste <laughs> of money. But whenever I've watched it after, I've loved it. And the movie I hate. And if somebody asked me to watch it again, there's a chance that I could commit violent crimes because I just can't take it. Frozen. I can't remember if oh, we... Oh, yeah. I like Frozen. Okay. But I can't remember if I knew you whenever my daughter watched it every day, multiple times a day, but like wanted me to sit with her and wanted to sing all the songs. Very great. Very <laughs> sweet. But at some point you're like, you know what? I, I hate this. I liked it and now I hate it. And now they're like coming out with Frozen 2. I'm really salty about that. I'm just like, we're going to have to go through this again. <laughs> I think that's my bitterness. I'm going to have to do this again and I don't want to. I will be happy to watch Frozen with your daughter. Perfect. I'll send her to your house. <laughs> awesome. All right. Next question is from Hillary G. She wants to know, which thing do we hate more, the gynecologist or the dentist? Here's my follow-up question. Hillary, are we talking about an annual exam and a cleaning? Or are we talking how many centimeters are you dilated in root canals? Because those are very different <laughs> answers. <laughs> Those are way different answers for me. What about you, Mandy? <laughs> I actually think I hate the dentist more. Yeah. I feel like because here's my whole here's my gripe about the dentist. Anytime you go to the dentist, you just better buckle up and you're in it for the long haul. It is not a quick trip. It is not a quick thing. You're not in and out of there. You're literally laying there with your mouth gaping open, your jaw hurting and drool running down your face for hours, it feels like, and getting your mouth drilled into and just, oh my gosh, no. I feel like at least at the gynecologist, like once the doctor comes in, like it's usually pretty quick and you're in and out of there and like it's not, you just get it over with and go right. about your day and just like forget that it ever happened. <laughs> the dentist never ruins happened. my day every single time. I cannot stand going to the dentist. It's awful. I would choose gynecologist over the dentist any day of the week, which just sounds a very strange thing to say, but that's no, that is my choice. That makes sense. <laughs> when I um I was very nervous the first time when you first have to go to the OBGYN, it's nerve-wracking because you just don't know what to expect. But then Mandy knows this. I had like weird endometriosis, but I had it in my lung. So every week I couldn't find a doctor that believed me. Like I knew what was happening to me. I had Googled the crap out of it, played my own doctor, had lung collapses. It was really weird, but I knew I had this. So I just had to find a doctor that believed me. So every Thursday I had off and every Thursday I'd be at a different OBGYN trying to meet a new doctor. So every Thursday I was in stirrups every Thursday. And my husband's like, doesn't it bother you? I'm like, at this point, the entire OBGYN like doctors in Central Florida have seen this. I just don't care anymore. It is does not affect me. I can go in there. It's totally fine. <laughs> At, after some point, you're just like, whatever, let's just get to the talking part of this conversation. Basically, I've always had every time I go to the dentist, there's like a laundry list of things wrong. And so I just leave there with my mouth numb and drool coming out of my face and just crying over the bills I'm going to have to pay for this. The OBGYN does not do that to me. I have to pay my copay and I'm out of there. So that's what I'm going to go with, OBGYN. If you choose dentist, I need to know if you're male or if you like have never had a <laughs> dental problem in your entire life because that's the only reason you would choose the dentist over OBGYN. Yeah, I agree. Or you're very young. So anyway, 
Yeah. So those are really awesome questions. And lastly, we have a promo to play for you from our friends with Crime After Crime, John and Danielle. We actually met them at CrimeCon. They were at the table next to us. And John actually has several podcasts and YouTube channels, and he is part of Three Men and a Mystery, and we played their promo before. And Danielle is one of the most gorgeous people I've ever met, so I would be lying if I didn't tell you that until the last day I didn't even say hi to her because I was so like, it was like she had a little angel presence around her or something. And I was like, she's so (laughs) gorgeous. I was just so intimidated. But she ended up being super, super nice. And I've listened to their show. They have a YouTube with with the actual video of their show. It's very lighthearted. I love it. I'm super obsessed with it. So it's called Crime After Crime, and we will play their promo once we say goodbye. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Bye. I'm John Lorden. And I'm Danielle Hallen. We're here to tell you about our new podcast, Crime After Crime. John and I started by reviewing true crime cases on our YouTube channels and are using our experience from there to come together and go head-to-head on Crime After Crime. Each episode is based on a specific topic. Danielle and I research our cases individually, present them to you, and let you choose who the episode's winner is. Upcoming topics include the sleepwalking defense, best heist costume, and craziest getaway. We also have a YouTube version of every episode available. Just search on YouTube for Crime After Crime, and remember to subscribe when you find us. After you listen to the episode, vote online to tell us who the winner is and who will have the right to use the exclusive Crime After Crime coffee mug on the following episode. New episodes are released monthly with limited advertising thanks to our amazing supporters at Patreon. Remember to search for Crime After Crime wherever you find your favorite podcasts. See you on Crime After Crime. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.